My name is William Del Pilar. Some of you may know me as actually a formerly elected politician, but I am better known as a fantasy sports pioneer who helped commercialize this industry. And I'm proud to be joined by my friend, Big John, who's also another pioneer. Big John, welcome aboard, and it's good to have you on here. Yeah, thank you, William. I'm, I'm glad to join. Hola, as uh, some Latinos might greet themselves, right? <laughs> Hola or ese. ese. <laughs> yes, yes. For those who don't know, or actually I just mentioned it, I am Latino. And the reason John brings that up is you look at my complexion and you're like, Who's that white guy? Well, technically, I guess I would be classified as a white guy, but that also infuriates me because Latinos range from black to white. For some reason, American society has deemed us all to be short and brown, and that's a farthest from the truth. My family is so diverse. Right. It's something I'm extremely proud of. My grandmother, if you saw her, you would not know she's my grandmother. She was called the N-word in America because really? she's that dark. She's uh, seen as black by some. I just knew her as Abuelita. My mother looks like this short little Asian woman. And in fact, at a baseball game once, I was a catcher, so nobody saw me. The lady next to her goes, hey, is that your son out there pointing to the Korean kid? Uh, <laughs> you know, So people have no clue who we really are at times. And when I go back to Panama, a few people call me Blanquito, which, uh, as you know, means whitey. So so I'm proud to be Latino. I'm proud of my Panamanian Puerto Rican heritage, and I'm extremely proud of the diversity. But I'm going to tell you this, John. I actually see myself first as an American who's proud of his culture. Good for you. Good for you. I, I, I really uh, I think that's something that we all need to take a, a, to heart a little bit more. Uh, to move past the racial diversity. And listen, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit jealous of you. You know, you go back to Panama, you're called Blanquito. <laughs> when I go back to Greece to visit my relatives, I'm just referred to as fat. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, one final note on that. I actually, we can trace our heritage back to last Wednesday uh, on the Panamanian side. Yeah, so yeah. we have a picture of this Asian man, a Chinese man, right. who's our great grandfather. And, you know, you see, I see these things and I'm like, so many things fall into place. I'm like, okay, I see where we get our Asian looks. I, I've been, right. uh, told that sometimes some people have thought I, I, I'm Japanese or have Japanese in me, which is ironic because I have a half brother who is half Japanese. Oh, and it's a story for another day, but his family is gone, lost in Nagasaki with the oh, bomb. Oh, oh, wow. you know, so, so we're gonna bring him in and interview him down for a later episode. I would love, I would love that. That is like some history in the making when you, when you get oh, to Again, the diversity of my family is incredible. And it's why I got involved in the political game was because I wanted people to understand we're not a stereotype uh, short and brown. We're extremely diverse with extreme thoughts. We care about jobs more than we care about our skin color. Right. We, scare, we care about opportunities more than we do handouts. So it's something important to me. Uh, and I'm actually glad that I was a pioneer in the fantasy sports industry because I can use that as a vehicle to open doors and speak on various topics because the sports and politics are intersecting more so than they ever have 
before in the past. And sports has played a big role in politics with Jackie Robinson, Jesse Owens, Jim Thorpe with the Olympics, for those that, 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 that have forgotten who he was. So, but I believe right now that intersection is the greatest it's been because of technology bringing so much to the American people. Right. A lot of misinformation too. There's there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of uh, hypocrisy uh, across the uh, the uh, the political spectrum as well. So yeah, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it. Uh, like you said, also let's let the let's let the folks know. Look, we can't deny our heritage. We we both got fantasy sports in our blood. We're we're fantasy <laughs> OGs. Uh, uh, for myself, it was going back to '94, '95. When I started something called Gridiron Grumblings, later Sports Grumblings, which became one of the largest independent sites. And as a matter of fact, people should recognize you. They may not recognize your name, but they probably remember what you had built. It was something called what, William? KFFL. Right. And that name originated as a fantasy league of my partners, but it was one of the first fantasy sites on the map. And at one point, we were ranked within the top 2,000 sites in the world. Right. We had NFL agents, players, GMs. We, the world was visiting us. And it opened many doors. We were, I was proud that we were known for fantasy with the average Joe who bought our services. But within the actual industry of the NFL or in, and later MLB and NASCAR, we were seen as sports sites because of our, of our hot off the wire. We were one of the very first sites to bring player news in that format. Right. Uh, at one point, we had locked down every contract, whether it was Fox Sports, CBS, that we even provided content and were the first fantasy analyst for the NFL right. with for, the Total the Access NFL, Show. For the NFL uh, Network, right? That's right. That's right. So we were some serious trailblazers, and we didn't set out to do that. I set out high standards, and I knew that would open doors. Which doors it would open, I had no idea. But I can honestly say that only in America was I given this opportunity because where else can a five foot seven kid who is too small to have played his favorite sport, football, help open and, and create a bigger avenue of revenue and popularity for the NFL? Now, here, here's what I will say, though. If you're going to use lines like only in America, you got to yourself a big fro <laughs> and steal boxers money. For Eddie Murphy there, huh? <laughs> Great movie. Don, Don King, Don King. Uh, Don King, oh my God, Don, Don King. King. I actually Don met Don King. Oh, did Super you? Super Bowl week. There you know, go. well, I had the pass to get in there because KFFL, you know, we applied for it. And uh, I just shook his hand and I didn't really speak to him. But I saw him in action. His personality is a big as is as big as his hair, and he was just he was just friendly, talking to everybody. Now Don King has his negative side in terms of sure. what they said about him, but there's no denying the personality and his ability to sell a fight. Oh, he, and, he was and, a promoter, and, man. Born exactly for better or for promoter. worse, Don King took boxing in, in the '80s. To, to the greatest heights uh, it, 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 it had ever seen. And he trailblazed uh, or was part of the process of trailblazing pay-per-view. People don't remember, but in the 1970s and 80s, probably more than 80s, I'm trying to remember back, to catch pay-per-view, we had to go to our local coliseum. Sure. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, it was to go to the Felt Forum or Madison Square Garden. You, you couldn't do it in your, in your living room. You had That's to go right. You had to go to what was then known as closed circuit TV. 
That's right. That's how old we are, William. That's how old we are. We're dinosaurs. We're dinosaurs. (laughs) Exactly. All right. All right, Big John. Let's get to it and and stop boring our audience here. We don't want Uh, to. One of the major topics right now in the NFL is the Brian Flores lawsuit that's based uh, on his claims of racism. Uh, For those who don't know, John is the libertarian, live and let live is one of their mottos, I assume. And uh, his take is gonna be unique and a bit different because most people are conservatives or liberals and and we have our thoughts and a libertarian take usually uh, makes people go say what? (laughs) But there's always logic behind it. So give us your thoughts on that. Sure. Uh, So, and the the important thing to remember here as we talk through this is that these allegations were made by Brian Flores when he filed this lawsuit. Basically in that lawsuit, you could say whatever you want. You know, so so when we say this is what Flores's or Flore side of the story is, um, the, the the counterparties in it have basically all issued um, uh, the denials. You know, like the Giants have denied that they conducted a sham interview. Uh, Stephen Ross and the Dolphins deny that they offered to pay him money to throw games. But to me, there's there's two important points. One is Look, we all know racism is wrong. We, like the, it's it's just an idiotic, close-minded position to hold that that one race is superior to the other. This is an abhorrent mode of thinking, right? Yes. However, you have to understand that people have a right to run their business the way they see fit. So you can choose who to hire somebody. Or how to hire somebody, in my opinion, it's not looking at skin color, it's looking at individuals and saying, is this individual the best person that I think can run my business? In this case, a head coach. Not everyone's going to agree. Certainly, we won't agree, right? Every time there's a head coaching hire in the NFL, what do you think? We all agree 100% that they were the best person for the job? Of course not. There's always going to be people on one side or the other, right? That's uh, correct. Look, Brian Dayball got hired by my Giants here in New York. I, I heard whispers. Some people said we should have hired Flores, to be honest with you. Some people said we need someone like Flores, right? Uh, I would question that for this reason alone. Yeah. The drama down in Miami with Flores and Tua, and literally there's nobody who can disagree. He was pretty much throwing the kid under the bus. Sure, absolutely. He didn't want him. And want. look what Brian DeBow did with Josh Allen. Now that it's a team, you know, and it takes more than one, or, or as liberals say, it takes a village. And but Brian DeBow was the key individual in raising his his passer rating, I believe, about ten points from from his season where his critics were stating, "See, we told you this kid was a nobody." DeBow right. came in, and then we saw that magnificent fireworks display against the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure. Yeah. To me, that was his coming out game. But that said, every season there's a hot candidate, and this season it was Brian DeBow. And to me, it's a it, 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 it's pretty much there's no gray here. I want the kid or the individual with that track record of building a quarterback because, like it or not, I truly believe the jury is still out on Daniel Jones. I saw him play one or two games, and I saw glimpses where I was saying to myself or hollering to my wife, "Honey." I don't see what the negative, all the negatives are on him. I go, he looks ugly when he plays, 
But some of those passes, you know, he's able to move, make the throws. And and I was just thinking that this guy needs an actual coach around, or coaching team around him. Look, he's – and we're going away from Flores a little bit. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think, like, look, I don't – I should say I agree with you that, that Daniel Jones needs a, a quarterback whisperer. Like, Joe Judge wasn't the right coach for him. Like, so even, would you say Flores – is the right coach would have been the right coach for him. Oh, no, 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 no. I would not have hired Flores if I were the Giants. In, for the Giants' particular situation, I would not have hired Flores. But I'm saying I heard the whispers living in New York City. I heard mm -hmm. the whispers of a lot of people saying, look, Flores is a New York guy. Right, right. He, he right. was born and raised in New York. He comes from the Belichick tree, which is a winning tradition. And look, going back to his claims, a lot of people said, look, he did a really good job as a coach. In Miami, even with the Tua situation, he he took a team that really wasn't supposed to compete. Now, it, it, see, it's very difficult because he has two <laughs> allegations here, right? One is discriminatory hiring practices. And, and let's be clear, he did not claim racism against the Dolphins. He claims racism against the people during this season's hiring pr process, right? So he's right. saying basically the Giants... And the Broncos, I think, are the two that he called out specifically as saying, like, look, the Giants, because of the Bill Belichick's, uh, Bill, Bill Belichick texts, boy, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, it uh, is. That, you know, Belichick sent them those texts saying, hey, congratulations, Brian, I heard you're getting the Giants job. But this was before, the night before he was supposed to interview with the Giants. And then it came out that Belichick said, look, I, I started typing in Brian in my texts. And instead of filling out Brian Flores, it filled out Brian Dayball. So he was he was trying to send Dayball congratulations. So then everybody's saying, oh, it's a conspiracy. You know, it was a sham. Look, you and I have run businesses. Okay, we haven't run NFL teams, right? But we've run small businesses. And when you hire someone, even if if you've got five people lined up to for the for the job interview, right? Let's say the second person comes in and just knocks you off your feet, right? Like, right. man, this person is the person I had in mind. I couldn't have created a better candidate, right? What do you do with the three that are left? Do you cancel them? Oh, no. I mean, I actually oh. experienced that more than once. Yeah. I actually would involve my editors in the hiring process when I was looking for a new editor. And they loved it at the end. You know, they move on. They realize the lesson I was teaching them. At the time, they didn't like it because it was taking them from work. Right. But I would tell them, look, you have to work with this individual, not I. So you have to be involved. And that came up more than once. Hey, we all like this guy. I right. go, well, we have other candidates, but we like this guy. I said, look, we could be wowed by another candidate. Right. You may be wowed. And eventually, or, or, or in the process, one of the four editors would, the, 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 the pooling, the tug and pull, yeah. some like this candidate, some like that candidate. And part of that process included candidates who wowed some of the editors. So that happens. But there's no denying human nature that you go in your interview. If you know some of the candidates, you're going to have a favorite. And yeah. there's also, as I was, we were talking about Debo, he was the hot candidate. 
you know, and, and as you were saying, the Rooney rule, some will look at it as a sham. And in that situation for the Giants, I believe it was a sham because they knew they wanted Brian DeBow. Unless he fell flat on his face, he was actually the best candidate. But well, that said, yeah, we're yeah. not in that interview room. Well, that's the key, right? And look, I've, I've heard a lot of different takes on this. And I think Peter King said, hey, I'm convinced of the Giants' sincerity that they actually were going to interview each one, each candidate sincerely. Now, having said that, though, they hired uh, Joe, Joe Shane from Buffalo. Right. As soon as he was hired as the new GM for the Giants, everyone knew, hey, who's number one on that list? Dayball. That's it. Right. Everyone knew it. So, like, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist. Now, because of the Rooney rule, because of the Rooney rule, you have to bring in a minority candidate for an interview. So whether you think it's a good rule or not, the point is that, and this is why as a libertarian, you mentioned earlier, I'm a libertarian. This is why as a libertarian, I hate things like the Rooney rule. And I hate any sort of authoritarian requirement to business, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the poor candidates now. Every minority candidate, you're tempted to say black candidate, but the truth of the matter is any non-white non-white male candidate would Correct. fall under the Rooney rule, right? Right. That any of those candidates now, they'll never know if they were there because of their merits or because they were, quote, required to be interviewed, right? So, so when you look at, look, David Culley in Houston, okay? Uh, yeah, Houston Texans. Correct, correct, David Coley. Uh, they they fired him this season, right? So he, he now personally, as a coach, I think he did a decent job with the Texans. If it was up to me, as an outsider, I would have said, give the guy another chance. He did. He lost Deshaun Watson. He had to deal with that distraction all year. Like they couldn't cut him, but they couldn't play him. So they kind of, you know, he was always inactive every day. So you had to deal with Tyrod Taylor, and then he got hurt. So now you're dealing right. with the, 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 you know. He did a tremendous job down there with, with a dearth of talent, in my opinion. Why well, I don't think it's just your opinion. I, I think, think I think that's yeah. a consensus. I don't think David Cooley should have been hired. The reports I read was that his players were still playing hard for him. And here's what most people who aren't involved in the industry don't realize. It's human nature. A team with a losing record like that, those players check out with a couple of games left. They don't want to get hurt. They want to go home, et cetera, et cetera. But these kids kept playing hard for him. Not to mention uh, the quarterback, David, it was David Mills, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Was that? He surprised uh, a lot of people with how well he played. Yeah. Not only do I think uh, Mr. Cooley deserved a second season, I also don't believe you hire a coach and fire him after one season. You got to let him try to build his program. Right. But listen, why is there no outrage coming out of Houston's firing of David Culley, like the way with Flores, right? Because, and I'll, I, and, and here's the reason why, and you got to give Culley personally a lot of credit for this, I think. He was let go because he refused to fire some of his staff at well, the request right. of ownership, right? So he said, no, if they go, I go. And ownership said, great, <laughs> see you later, you know. Now, to me, that's just a labor dispute. It has right. nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with discrimination. That had to do with, I want you to do X. You're refusing to do X. So guess what? We're not working together anymore. 
Right, right, the same right. Thing with, now, look, the the allegations of throwing games for money that Flores is making against Stephen Ross, that in 2019, mm-hmm. in order to, you know, the tank for Tua, which, by the way, is ridiculous because we all knew the Dolphins were trying to tank, right? It was tank for Tua, then Tua hurt his hip, then it was like, you know, bust for Burrow or whatever they were saying, right? But here's the but, thing. But they got their guy, Tua. I mean, they're saying now, well, it was Burroughs. They're saying that now because of the play of the two QBs, you know? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, real quick, on David Cooley, yeah. he's also much, 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 much younger than Brian Flores. He's old school. Uh, in fact, he was born in uh, 1955. So, so No, no, no. Cooley's older, right? Yeah, yeah, older. I'm sorry. I, I said opposite. Yeah, he's much older. He's old school. It's a different sure. mentality sure. of respect, of how they look at a situation, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but right. I think that also also had had a lot to do with it. And for the record, I don't think Brian Flores should have been fired this year neither. That second half comeback that his right. team did, he I was the head coach and should have been given another year. Look, I agree with you in terms of performance on the field. So I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But, I, look, there were other reports. Like, look, if Stephen Ross told him, listen, go out there and don't put your best effort to win these games, right? Because we want to have the number one pick. That's our strategy. We want the number one pick. We have a lot of draft capital. So the, the, the more we suck, the better and quicker we'll right. be able to build a winner. Now, listen. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's a common strategy, not just in the NFL, but in any organized team sport. I think it's a flawed strategy, though. That, that, that's what logically somebody will think of. Right. But with free agency and with bus draft picks all the, every year with multiple teams, I think people assume we get the top pick, we're going to get the best players. That, that's, that's not always the case. Uh, agreed, agreed. Like, you can look at the Browns and look at all those <laughs> yeah. picks for all those years that they screwed up, right? But yeah. The Texas A&M QB. Right, <laughs> right, 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 yeah. Manzo, uh, Johnny Manzo. Johnny Manziel. Money Manziel. Yeah, Johnny Manziel. But, um, but here's the thing, right? My point is that it's not a weird request for the owner to have said that. And I have no doubt that Stephen Ross probably pulled Flores aside at one point. Because in that season, the pivotal thing was that they beat the Jets, I think. And that dropped them out of the number one slot and moved the Jets up, right? So... To, to me, it's not crazy that Ross may have told him, and it's not inconceivable to me, that he said, look, keep losing. Whether he offered to pay him 100 grand a game or not, I, who knows, right? I don't uh, know, John. Uh, they say I was a corroborating witness, though. That's, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's yeah. the other yeah. thing. Um, but so, I see... I think in this case, it's a labor dispute. It's not a racial dispute. Right. That, you're right. That, that, that's a completely different issue that has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with uh, the game of football yeah, and the yeah. business. I, you know, I was involved in, in the fantasy sports industry and technically in the sports industry because we geared uh, our popularity rose from from not fantasy side, but just the regular coverage of the NFL because right. of Hot of the Wire. And I never heard whispers. And, and I knew some of the insiders you see today that are popular, I knew them right. I, uh, coming up. And we would talk and never. And I also believe gambling has had a sordid history in terms of sports, uh, going back to the Chicago Black Sox. Uh, right. uh, and so it's something that's really, it's one of those those pillars of you don't ever 
go go down that line. So I can't see Stephen Ross actually even bringing that up, you know, especially with what I just said. You have free agency that, that, that you can bring in other players. And the salary cap itself plays an issue into this. Uh, you can rack up uh, extra pitch with trades, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just can't see that. You'd have to show me proof, especially with the fact that gambling now is a, is a new beast with the New Jersey decision of a couple of years ago. And, and states are now introducing gambling. And, and so I don't see anybody risking uh, a backlash and a, a puritanical black backlash at that. Uh, because well, remember, we, we may go well, but what may not be so obvious today, tomorrow uh, becomes the hot yeah. item. And so I just... You know, you got to show me proof, Flores. Yeah, you know, well, and, and plus, like you said, that's not a racial issue. No, it's that, not. That, that's a sports betting issue. I agree. It's it's not. I, <laughs> see, I think the whole race angle to me is is entirely based off the Belichick texts. Right, and one more thing that most people do not know is, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Flores wasn't even on paper the best candidate. He was a linebackers coach. Uh, you mean he when was he was not a coordinator? You mean when you he know? went to Miami? Yeah, when he was. No, made he was I don't think he was the defense. That's I right. Don't, I don't and, think so. No. And my philosophy is, bro, you're not qualified. Go become a coordinator first for a while. However, I'm not set on that because I've been proven wrong. Uh, right. John Harbo, if I remember correctly, he was a special teams coordinator when he was given the Ravens job, and he went on to win a Super Bowl. So I can't really lay a claim in saying, well. This is how it should have been done. This, that's how I feel. But it, my belief has been proven wrong. But my point is, is if it was racism, why would they hire him being a linebackers coach versus a, a coordinator? Oh, well, there's a there's a very simple answer to that. If you're asking for why would they have hired him, much the same reason that people think the Texans hired Cully. They hired him to be a transition coach to someone else. So whether you know, whether they thought they were going to land, I don't know, pick a name, you know. So, But even Flores, I think I saw an interview with him on uh, CBS Morning News or something where he said, look, I knew going into Miami that I was a trans, I was a transitional coach, that, that I was supposed to be there for a year or two, do whatever I could, and then they were going to get somebody else. Now, he, he didn't say it outright, but you kind of got the feeling that he meant, oh, they brought in the black guy to be the loser, and then they would hire the real coach. Again, oh, and for the record, he yeah. was the linebackers coach when he got hired. Okay, great. So my point is, I don't know. See, but to me, all this nonsense is occurring because of the Rooney rule, not in spite of it. Well, um, I think it would have happened regardless. Yeah, and I think, but the Rooney rule gives, look, one of my philosophical heroes, Milton Friedman, said this once. He goes, the problem with things like affirmative action and uh, these rules, you know, for equal pay and all that, they sound good. Boy, do they sound good. They sound like, they, they sound really good. You're trying to help people. But what does it do when you think about it? It provides cover for racists. Because right. if you're a racist, what do you have to do to stay a racist in the NFL? Hey, I interviewed a black guy, but I ended up hiring the white guy. Hey, but I did the right thing. I, I interviewed a minority candidate, right? Right. So right. if I'm a racist, think about this. If I'm a racist, let's say I'm the owner of Team X and Big John is racist John now all of a sudden, right? 
What do I have to do to keep everyone off my back without letting them even know that I'm a racist? What do, what's the simplest thing I have to do? Bring in any black guy for a coach. Bring in any woman for a coach. Bring in any Asian man for a coach. Because all I have to do is interview them according to this stupid rule. Because, right. because you, to this day, you can't force someone to hire somebody. You can't do that. The government doesn't have that power, right? In the private sector. So, uh, like, short of forcing me to hire someone, which they'll never do, not while we have a free country, what, they put this rule in place. <laughs> so now, so now, like, if I'm a racist, if I'm really a racist, all I have to do is just do a sham interview. What's a more effective way? The more effective way is A, public shaming. That's very effective, right? Right. And then the second thing is results. If I am constantly picking a less qualified white candidate over a superior minority candidate, eventually that'll show up in, in the results. I'll never be as good as other competitors, right? You know what? That brings up a great point. And not many people realize this. And I learned this when I started uh, when, when, when I started KFFL with a few others. It's not about winning. People don't realize that Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals did not care about winning. They were making a profit on mediocrity. Yes. They didn't probably. even have a scouting department. But the Brown family was, was, was generating a profit. For right. many years, they did not care about winning. They eventually hired Marvin Lewis, who wasn't able right. to win a playoff game, but he did turn that program around. And yeah. I actually met Marvin Lewis. Turns out he's a very nice guy. Did not have an in-depth conversation. He knew who I was or the company, yeah. uh, uh, which kind of made me proud uh, yeah. of what I had done. But but at the end of the day, you start following these people, you learn about them, and they they got the class act to rebuild that organization and build in the prosperity. And part of the reason they got that was because of the Rooney Rule. Now, uh, Mike Tomlin, a product yes. of the Rooney Rule. Yeah, so yeah. it Absolutely. doesn't matter what you or anybody else or I think at the end of the day, that rule worked. Now that said, it's a catch 22 for me because I agree with you, but I also look at the landscape and go, it did work to an extent. Look at Mike Tomlin, never had a losing season. I'm not saying that we must keep it. I'm saying it. this is a debate that will never ever get a true answer or get people to agree. So I'll let you close it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll close it out real quick because I know we got other topics. So here's my point, right? There's, a, there's something called unintended consequences of everything, right? Right. That, so to me, the Rooney rule, yes, Mike Tomlin, I agree with you. He's the, he's the shining example of the Rooney rule, ironically, uh, working because it's all from Art Rooney, the owner of the Steelers, right? Yeah. Um, so it worked. But here's the problem. The problem is it's caused far more problems, uh, far more issues that nobody foresaw, especially, see, People didn't foresee that we'd be doing sham interviews, that we'd be doing without pointing to any particular situation. Like, just bring, hey, let's find some minority POC, bring them in. And, you know, that's all we have to do. Now let's go back to hiring white guys, right? Right. I feel I feel bad for individuals like like Leslie Frazier. I'm not a Leslie Frazier fan. I put that loss on him and the head coach of the Bills in the championship game uh, as uh, just just directly on him. And then when I started researching some of his uh, when they played elite teams, their defense did not stand up. And I, and I put that on Frazier. Uh, right. But you got to remember, I have a military background and I firmly believe the the, the, the top, the, the, the captain 
is fully responsible regardless. So as right. defensive coordinator, I, I view him, but I feel bad for him because he is, he's been around the league for a while, many, right. many years. And he's gone to interviews over interviews. Right. And he had his shot with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, <laughs> made the playoffs one year. Uh, and I believe should he, or shouldn't he be given a chance? His resume will dictate that. Personally, I think there are better candidates, but I have to tell you, I feel bad because what you're saying is true, and it's and it's individuals like Leslie Frazier that have suffered the the brunt of that. I, I don't disagree with you, and here's and I know we said we're going to close it out. We never do, though. Here's the thing. Here's what I think is the worst egg on the face of the NFL. It's not so much when a, what like when a Brian Dayball gets hired over a Brian Flores. That's to be honest with you. That's not what concerns me, or at least what I don't see as the real negative PR out of this. What I see as negative PR is when lousy white coaches keep getting chance after chance after chance. So you look at someone, for example, like um, Josh McDaniels. Now, here's the thing. Well, he's had one coaching gig. Well, right? he went to Denver, but mm -hmm. don't forget, he did something that I would have thought I would net if I was an NFL no I would never hire Josh McDaniels because right. he, he quit. He pulled out on the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if people remember prior no. to Frank Reich, he was hired as the coach. He was offered the gig. He accepted it. But then when he was supposed to sign on the dotted line, he basically went, F you, I'm back. I'm going back to Bill Belichick or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You do that to any in any business, you get this reputation of being someone that can't be trusted. You're right. not trustworthy. You're not going to get hired again. So it's when guys like Josh McDaniel, when Adam Gase gets job after job. Now they're saying right. He's a better example. Yeah, Adam he Gase. Might be, so he sucked in Miami. If we could call the QB whisperer, is yeah. that what he was known as? Yeah. And, and who did he whisper? Wasn't it like a big name quarterback like Peyton Manning or somebody? I can't yeah. remember. Oh uh, yeah, he whispered in Peyton. Like he's the one who made Peyton Manning instead of the other way around, right? But right. So here's here's the funny part. He had Ryan Tannehill in Miami his career was almost over Tannehill goes on a free agent contract to Tennessee to be the backup. And look, now he's their starter on a couple of uh, division champions. He, he stunk at Miami. Then what happens? They fire him from Miami, the jets, a division wide. Like, I mean, why? So he could help with Sam Darnold. What did he do there? So when you see someone like Adam Gase, all of a sudden, someone like Bill Belichick says, Hey, I'm thinking of hiring this guy for OC. Now that McDaniels left, you're like, wait a second. I, I don't understand. See, that's what gives the bad black eye when someone like um, uh, you mentioned Leslie Frazier, uh, who is a Caldwell, for example. Right. Like, right. When these coaches don't get their second and third chances on demonstrably better records, that to me is, is more indicative of a problem. And again, I'm not even sure that it's a racial problem because I think it's more the old boy network, which happens to be all right. right. You, but, you, you know, that's the one that to me, if I'm if I'm in the PR department of the NFL, that's the one that I would like gather these owners up at dinner and say, listen, we got to stop giving these shitty like coaches chance after chance. To me, that's the real black guy. Like Adam Gates right. should not be coaching in the NFL at this point, especially well, when there's other people more qualified and more successful. I guess I'll have the last word because I got to say this. Yes. Uh, head coaching is different from being a coordinator a coordinator's focus are the x's and o's right a head coach's focus is making sure his coordinators are in place doing their job but his role is more of a leadership role he's a ceo 
Yes, exactly. And at the end of the day, some people are more suited to be CEOs uh, than others. So I had no idea how good uh, an X's and O's Adam Gase is, but I wouldn't say he doesn't belong in the NFL. I would use an example like Norv Turner. I've never cared for Norv Turner as a head coach. Uh, but there's no doubting his brilliance as an offensive coordinator. In fact, I can't remember the name of the uh, general manager for the San Diego Chargers, but I was out here, and it was not a rumor. He truly believed any idiot could coach the Chargers to a championship, and I firmly believe that was part of the reason he hired Turner. Turner really pretty much said, I'll do whatever you want. I just Who's want that? to coach again. That's Spanos, right? The Spanos owned them, but I can't remember. He replaced John Butler because John Butler had come oh, okay. from Buffalo, but John Butler got cancer and then passed on. And, was it uh, Beathard? No, no. Beathard was before Butler. Uh, oh, okay. uh, and Beathard was another genius, you know, yeah. but he couldn't get the Chargers over the hump neither. But it, my point being is some people are better leaders than others. You know, Flores, I think, is so young, a lot of his immaturity is showing. You know, uh, it's not for today, but when it talk, when we're talking maturity, I will relay the story of Denny Green and my run-in with Mr. Green. Fair because enough. that run-in told me why he would never succeed in Arizona. And, and that, that's a great tale for the audience. But at the end of the day, I don't think Flores' lawsuit has a leg to stand on. And people don't realize Rosa Parks was not the first individual to have to deal with what she did, but the NAACP and others felt that the individual who dealt, who did the exact same thing as Rosa Parks was not the correct vehicle because she was pregnant, you know, and back in the fifties, that was not, you know, something that was uh, uh, seen as it, it is today. It was socially unacceptable. Yeah. Right. So, so I firmly do not think that Brian Flores is the right candidate to hit your trailer too. I believe there's racism in this world. There's, there's sure. a, only an idiot would deny that, but I believe there's racism in every culture. And I have seen it in right. as a Latino who's very diverse, who's hung out with black crowds, who's hung out with white, white crowds, who's hung out with the traditional brown Latino crowds, you know? And another tale for another day is a racism that was put towards me in a jazz club that I'll talk about down the road. And it's not to sit there and put anybody down. It's to show the realities of life and how it's not one-sided like individuals believe. Right, so, it's, it's you know, very rarely pardoned upon black and white. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I had a schedule to talk about Joe Rogan, but let's yeah. hold off on Joe Rogan for another day. Plus, sure. we really hammer down the racial issue heavily sure. in this episode. Let's quickly move on to the Olympics. Oh, okay. You know, the Olympics. Well, first of all, give us your thoughts in general on the Olympics and what you think of them. Well, first of all, because I'm Greek, you're probably going to think that I'm pro-Olympics, right? Hey, they had the first Olympics. Hey, and you Greeks were tough. If you lost, they killed you. <laughs> yes, when you lost, they didn't care. You lost. Right? <laughs> you lost your life. Uh, look, to be honest with you, uh, I don't, I'm not down with the Olympics. I almost never was, even as a kid. I never, even when uh, when there was still a Bruce Jenner running around, uh, when he was the world's greatest athlete in 1976 at the Montreal Games, uh, I, I was never someone who was into the Olympics. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because to me, it's another metaphor. It's another vehicle for nationalism. And I, I despise nationalism, not because I hate my country, quite the opposite. I love this country. I think 
this country is the greatest experiment and the most successful experiment of limited government. So I love my country, but I hate nationalism. I hate nationalism because nationalism to me is another form of racism. It's just one that's based on uh, political or ethnic as opposed to skin color or, or you know religion or something like that. So to me, nationalism, very bad. The Olympics are that sort of nationalism. You might argue that it's just pride and this and that. No, I don't buy that. And when you see idiots chanting USA, USA, when you beat like the Jamaican bobsled team or something, that to me, like I have much more respect when a tropical island <laughs> sends a bobsled team to the Olympics, right? To me, that's much more impressive than one of the world's richest nations that has access to snow slopes and everything, you know. So, but also I think the concept of the Olympics has been so corrupted. Initially, like when we were kids, William, if you remember, like say the hockey teams in the right, Winter Olympics miracle. or the basketball miracle. teams in the Olymp in the Summer Olympics, you couldn't have professionals in there. It was right. supposed to be amateurs. And listen, what was the old thing? You, we would say, oh, well, how does the Soviet Union and communist China get around it? Well, they just put everybody in the army and the army pays everything for them. So that's why you had 35-year-old amateurs playing for the red team in the Olympics, right? What was this? the goalie? Trechak, the greatest goalie who ever lived. He was an army colonel. He was oh, yeah. a red army colonel, right? We all they knew. don't even serve. It right. just he, he's he's in the army. I mean, whether it was East Germans or the Russians, I have a slightly different take, and maybe it's because as an American citizen, I was born, but I was my formulative years yeah. were spent every weekend with my Panamanian family. Sure, and I always realized I was different, not special, just different, because I was an American citizen. When I was visiting relatives or staying with them, I had a shower in the river. Our bathroom was an outhouse, but I always got to go back home with the hot running water and the flushing toilets. And my mom always reminded us of that, but she always reminded us of the greatness of America because it was that greatness that allowed her to pull my aunt and her family out of the poverty circle of Panama. Sure. And that poverty circle makes Compton look like Beverly Hills, you right. know? And so I don't view it in the way you do. I view it from the perspective that the United States of America is extremely unique. In essence, what are you saying in terms of the ratings? The ratings were uh, on day one were like a 48% drop from the previous uh, uh, winter, uh, 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 the Tokyo Summer Olympics. Yeah. 7.25 million viewers on ABC, making it the smallest primetime Olympic audience yeah. ever on the network. Uh, so why, I believe part of it is technology. The, the, when, when HBO began in the mid seventies uh, or right around 75, right, right around there, that was the beginning of the end for the three traditional networks. Back then, if you didn't have 16 million viewers at a minimum, your show was canceled. Oh, sure. Now, if you have two to three, they're renewing you. But the point being is people <laughs> yeah. aren't watching network television and there's no stars uh, that we are rallying around. The, you mentioned it before. Some of the, 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 the sports just aren't fan friendly. Well, uh, I think that's more the key right there. I think 
I think with very few exceptions, very few exceptions, there's nothing going on, especially in the Winter Olympics, that people like, listen, uh, my wife is not a sports fan. She may watch like the figure skating. That's it, you know, like or ice dancing or something like well, that. Well, that tends to be the most popular, figure skating and summer gymnastics. Right. And and also, like, say, maybe some of the team sports, like uh, soccer being ordered. I hate soccer. I think it's a prelude to communism, but whatever. Hey, now, hey, now. We don't want Latinos tuning out. Right. But uh, <laughs> football is, is popular. So you expect it to be popular in the Olympics. Hockey, team hockey, things like that. But for the most part, First of all, I think it's two things. And I'd be interested in those numbers that you quoted if they were strictly for um, for 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 television or does that add up all the platforms? Like does it that, No, no, that does not add up all the platforms. That was Okay, so uh, it's just one. TV. Well, okay. it's still early in the Olympics. Uh, the Saturday night results came out and it was about 12 or 6, 14 million and okay. when they counted all the platforms. But even that, those That's are minuscule yeah. numbers. Uh, something of importance to what you alluded to, though, yeah. uh, they average a 1.2 rating in adults 18 to 49, which is down 68% from 2018 yeah. and down 80% from 2014. And that's the big demo for network television, because okay. as a marketer, we both know that that's the malleable mind. They can still get people to change what Coke they like, what what beer they like. And to lose those type of ratings uh, actually spells doom. But here's a question I want to ask you. Let me throw this back at you since, uh, since okay, I'm a libertarian. Uh, people should know you're a conservative. What would I'm you, a conservatarian. That's what I call myself. Conservative, you know, like I would still say you're, if I had to guess, you don't even have to tell me that you're probably still a registered Republican though, right? Uh, I am a newly registered Republican as of 2015. That sounds like many years ago, but I was independent because okay. I saw that the Republicans no longer cared about the people about as much as they cared about staying in power. Right. Okay. So as someone who is of that persuasion, do you think that there's a backlash against the Olympics from, say, Trump's base? Because no, I, I don't think it's Trump's base. Uh, no. Trump just came into 2016. I think the, the Olympics were in a free fall even before. Before Trump, America was becoming woke because in my mind, Democrats are, Democrats are who I want to go to war with in terms of if there was a physical war. Because when they take on something, they want to destroy it. You know, Republicans, they're cowards, you know. And I'm being facetious when I say that. But my point is, is. From 2000, American politics changed with the Florida debacle in which the Democrats tried to steal an election. If you, I mean, I find it offensive because I, I no longer vote for a Republican if he's not a conservative. I leave it blank. So to sit there and see in Florida in 2000, somebody go, oh, they didn't, they didn't mark president. It must have been an accident. Look, he voted all liberals for the rest of it, but not for the president. So he meant to vote for the president. I'm like, you don't know what the hell. And then some weren't even legible. Nobody could tell. And they were actually coming to decisions based on who was actually uh, 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 making those final decisions there. So I believe... The media, which was is always has always been left leaning, and it's a tale for another day. But people would find it fascinating as to why you think and were able to prove Walter Cronkite was a bleeding heart liberal. You know, and, and, and my point being is, I think the media at that point. I used to watch MSNBC. I used to enjoy Hardball. 
but I saw an immediate slant in how they began covering uh, the news. And what has this to do with the Olympics? It's all interrelated. Those people are covering the Olympics too. You know, yeah. ESPN is as woke as you can get. It's it, it's a corporate mentality. So and that's, I believe- what I, that's what I meant by Trump's base though. So what I meant to say, maybe I didn't say it well enough was, do you, by Trump's base, I don't necessarily mean since Trump became president. I mean, like the, the people who tend to vote for guys like Trump, I'm saying, they could vote for Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene or or Lauren Boebert or, or whoever or Jim. Uh, but the reason know. I don't want to agree with you is because I think uh, uh, most people are wrong. The average American wants a fighter in their corner. That's what no, they but, saw but, in but Reagan. What That's what, what I, they saw in Trump. I, Those I, are the people who vote for these individuals. But society has labeled them as uneducated and easily gullible. Okay, and that, uh, that's the farthest from the no, truth. No, well, well, that's not what I was trying to get at. What I was trying to say was that <laughs> that group, I don't know what else to call them. So I, I call them Trump supporters just to categorize. I call them the working class American. Fair enough. Let's call them the working class Americans then, right? Whatever you decide to call that block that... It, I think we're trying to identify here. Do you feel that those people reject the Olympics not on the basis of whether they're interesting or not, but whether or not they think it's representative of some weird new world order? And let me, let me. No, no, I get you. I get you. And, and uh, uh, yes and no. I say no, because for example, I had, I lost interest in the Olympics years ago it just me too yeah. it was just boring to me yeah I but if you think i'm gonna turn that tv on today for wokeness no so i had made a conscious decision not to turn it on because of what you're just alluding however my decline in love for the olympics started long ago but that said the funniest things bring you back. Curly, remember Curly, yeah. like about 15, 20 years ago, we were all watching it. You know, it, it was like, it was just incredible. A lot of people How, are watching it now too. I think it's- But, but I more. mean, but my point is certain things bring that, there was nothing patriotic. It was just, it kind of enveloped America and right, we got right. caught up in it, you know? So so if there's certain things that, 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 that bring that magic back. And again, it, that's a little different example, but a perfect example because those ratings started to, to, to go up because of curling. But on the flip side, there's always the, the the American hopeful, but we haven't had that in years. And it's not just, this is what makes America great. I remember, and it's not directly the Olympics, but amateur sports. You're 56, I'm 55, but I look 35, I'm proud to say. Yeah, you're uh, sexy. Thank you, sir. Uh, who will ever forget Franz Klammer and oh, that Franz run he had. Franz Klammer. You the world a- was rooting for him at that Listen, moment. There were so many. That was James Bondish, the way he went down those slopes. Yeah, and also, like, listen, when Mark Spitz was rolling. Uh, Mark Spitz. In the pool. Um, uh, when Teofilo Stevenson from Cuba was dominating the heavyweight boxing. I, like, yeah. You could, you could. You could you could like really, or Carl Lewis even, to get a little bit closer to the Yeah, yeah, and even Michael Phelps. Like, I didn't watch it, yeah. but I wanted to see, did he win? Did he yeah. win? Did he win? But to me, like, even though I was interested in them as human interest stories, like, hey, we're on the verge of seeing something historic, something that's never been done before, say with Phelps and all his gold medals, right? Like, the, the concept of the Olympics, to me, just became boring and uh, resentful to some extent, but more so boring. I think if it would, like, I will not cheat myself out of a good time 
based on politics, right? So I, which the Olympics, the NFL, like I know people who boycotted the NFL over Colin Kaepernick and I'm like, I couldn't care less. I'm enjoying the football games, right? So I didn't let Colin Kaepernick's actions, whatever you think of them, distract me from the fact that I like the NFL. Right. However, still, though, John, I was they, gonna say, let me finish. I was going to okay. still say I would watch the Olympics at the end of the day. I would watch the Olympics, despite my political misgivings about them. I would watch the Olympics if they were exciting, if they were interesting. Agreed. And they're not. They're just not. Agreed. Like, so to me, uh, Usain Bolt, as, as magnificent oh, yeah. as he is, right? what's the challenge in watching him? He beats everybody easily, right? It's like watching the Yankees play the, the Indians uh, back in the right. day. You know, that brings up a great point. Ben Johnson versus Carl Lewis, even though later on we found out it was a doping. Right. We were glued to that. I remember watching him. And uh, uh, it, it was just phenomenal television. Well, the other thing, and we're going to touch on this and then move on to, our, to uh, yeah. uh, NFL. It doesn't help when wokesters, shills, sit there and just spit on America. And let me give you an example. J.A. Adande. Now, he's somebody who's doing well. Earned six-figure salaries. Right. You know, but he's one of these woken shills over at ESPN. This is what he said. And who are we, meaning the United States of America, who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens. And we've got assaults on the voting rights of our people of color in various states in this country. That's a lie he packed. So let me unpack it. Sure. First of all, most black Americans believe in voter ID. You know, okay. that just, you know, you have, we have to have an ID to pick up a damn six pack of beer, go on a plane. And the most integral part of a free society is having of uh, secure elections. You don't get that without voter ID. So he is trying to state that is the equivalent of genocide, you know? Now, ongoing attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens. The only attacks I saw in 2020 were BLM and Antifa destroying property, maiming citizens, murdering citizens. Does anybody not remember David Dorn and others? You know? So when you have individuals speaking like that, of course, you're going to get a lower turnout from working class Americans who just want to sit there and be entertained and not have somebody who's woke shoving that crap down our throats. Well, yeah, I agree with you. Look, uh, I, a lot of what he said, look, some of it may have some merit, but listen. Oh, I disagree. No, uh, that no well, I was going to say some, some may have some merit, right? But here's, here's the, um, Here's my thing about that. When he says, who are we to judge China? My answer to anybody who ever says anything remotely similar to me is, who do I have to be? Who do I have to be to judge China? Right? I, I could be anybody. I could be whatever I am. Listen, one of my friends who's a, who's a uh, lawyer who frequently argues before the Supreme Court, okay, a uh, fellow libertarian, he said to me, he goes, uh, being a hypocrite doesn't make you wrong. It just makes you a hypocrite. Right. So right. so hypocrisy is wrong in the sense that it, it almost makes us say, well, you're blind to your own adaptation of the ill you're describing. Right. So mm -hmm. so doesn't he realize that he does the same thing? Right. Like that's, that's what point. hypocrisy is. Right. 
but it doesn't make the thing right. 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 So uh, look, maybe, maybe that guy, what's his name? Adande. Yeah. Um, maybe he's right when he's maybe not when he's referring to voter ID. Right. But when he's voting to, when he's referring to police abuses. Right. But, but here's what I have to say to that. But my, we, no, we no, have but had that, but those but, have always been the exceptions, not the norm of our country. But let's assume for a second. Okay. Fair enough. But the fact that there's that abuse occurring here doesn't mean that the Chinese abuse, Should it doesn't justify the Chinese that. abuse is yeah. what I'm trying to say. In World War yeah. II, a lot of people didn't know this, right? You had the Nazis killing Jews, that, right? I don't want to interrupt, but that, my yeah. friends, is a libertarian mentality. It's not good or bad, but it's a different outlook in the sense of you're taking the big picture and applying it equally. Now, we may not always agree, but that, that's a great example. That's a great point there. Thank you. Yeah, I try to be consistent like that. But listen, in World War II, the Nazis, we all know what they did, right? They exterminated. Right. It was genocide, not just of Jews, but of homosexuals, of gypsies. Whoopi Goldberg wouldn't agree. Huh? Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, Goldberg wouldn't agree. <laughs> that's another one, people right? mad at each other. Yeah, that's, a, that's another one. But, um, but people don't realize that here, like when you talk to people like, okay, who was a great president? Oh, FDR. He was the first socialist. He had social security. He did the infrastructure works and all that. FDR was one of the worst presidents in the history of the United States. And I a lot agree. of people don't realize he sent over 100,000 Japanese Americans, American citizens, not illegal aliens, not spies, not anything. American citizens without trial, without warrant, without suspicion of wrongdoing were just herded up, their properties were taken away from them, and they were sent to our version of concentration camps. They were yep. called internment camps. Now, yep. the only difference between what Roosevelt did and what Hitler did was Hitler killed those people. He murdered those people. Mm. Roosevelt didn't murder them, but he took their rights away. Oh, and, and many of them never got their property back. Yeah, absolutely. Adding to that, he also refused entry to the Jews yes, coming he turned, he turned away, Europe. Not, yes, he turned away very many. And a lot of people don't realize prior to World War II, prior to the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor, uh, FDR and Hitler were admirers of each other. Yeah, that's right. Right. So I'm not going to say they, they thought what they did was right, but there's there's newspaper articles. If you go back and look at the articles, the contemporary articles of the 1920s and the 1930s, when they were talking about each other, Hitler said, I admire FDR. No, no, no. I, I do remember and, by, uh, and vice versa, right? So, all right. Yes, absolutely right? correct. So, so the fact that we're aghast at the Holocaust, and the same people who will tell you that was one of the worst human, which is true, they ignore, they forgive FDR, and they'll say yeah. if the same person will tell you FDR was a great president, and when you bring up the interred Japanese Americans, American citizens who were thrown, like I said, lost all their rights, civil rights, they just blow it off. So they right. don't even give you an answer. They're just like, well, you well, know. John, people today, uh, uh, and it's all leftists. Uh, I had never heard a Republican either. They're too smart or they don't, I personally believe our, our values, what little are left within the actual elected officials, uh, or maybe they're just smart enough not to say it, but a lot of leftists, a lot of liberals, a lot of Democrats have come out and say they admire Mao, Chairman Mao. Or Che. 
Yeah, you know, and, yeah, che. Oh my, that drives me up a wall as a Latino. I'm like, you stupid, ignorant fool. You had no damn clue. What the, who is that man? Che, he was a revolutionary. <laughs> he was a poet. I like that. He was yeah, a poet. poet. Yeah, you, you know how many people that man murdered? Murdered in cold blood? By the way, not murdered even in the sense that you might say Hitler murdered 6 million people, right? Because Hitler personally didn't go shoot people in the head. Che, che did. did. Che yeah. would round people up with Castro in a stadium, and he would literally walk up to them, put guns to their heads, and pull the trigger, okay? So Che is a mass murderer. But like you said, where's, where's the outrage on that, right? Now, mm -hmm. there are examples of American, American presidents and generals who have done the same thing, right? Right. Uh, the Trail of Tears being one of the most, you know, Obviously. Well, explain it. What was the trail here? And we got to uh, start wrapping this. Well, very up. quickly, it was Andrew Jackson basically doing the, doing the equivalent of a Bataan death march on Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and not giving a shit, quite honestly. And you uh, know, politically speaking, when Trump started to compare himself to, to Andrew Jackson, I'm like, bro, that that's you shouldn't be going there. Because when I think of Andrew Jackson, I think of uh, uh, his racism toward Indians. Now, people try to try to talk about him and how he expanded the uh, 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 United States, States of America. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, and when, when I go one on one in the argument, I'm like, he was a Democrat. <laughs> That's which wrong. Is That's wrong. Which but the point be, is, is, you're right. Right. To be in all fairness, people like I, I used to it used to totally drive me crazy when Trump would say, oh, well, I'm a Republican like Lincoln. And I'm like, no, Lincoln no. in his time was considered a radical. Yes. Like he would be the AOC of today. Lincoln would be the AOC of today in the sense that he was so far away from traditional mainstream politics, right? Like he was, what were the Republicans, which was a new party back then because it was mainly Democrats. Well, was, Lincoln created the matter of the Whigs. Right. And right. people don't realize, again, we're digressing, but people forget, this is a good tale for another day, yeah. to talk about how Lincoln was elected because of the electoral uh, uh, the, the the electoral vote college yeah yeah the electoral college so so uh, and this is a topic for another day that we're gonna have to talk about is our bloody, bloody Republican radicals that's what they were yeah. called bloody Republican radicals so so real quick though my final take uh, 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 on the Olympics is I believe we have become so diversified in how we view television and the lack of actual national heroes and the pumping up I mean you didn't even see any part of the process were commercials where we see the Home Depot would talk about the athlete they're sponsoring. Remember those commercials? Or, or Wheaties. I mean, or Wheaties. Yeah. Well, Wheaties was usually after the fact. You know, they reward them. Oh, but Wheaties. they always led them up. Remember? Right, like, right, was, right. Like, you know, the point like, is, is we're lacking uh, uh, heroes to follow. And, sure. and, I, and I use that term loosely, sure. uh, heroes. But but I do think it, it's the wokeness that America's in that started uh, at the turn of the, uh, right before the turn of the century to the fragmentation of how we view or watch our entertainment. Sure. And it's all combined to, we just don't care. And the worst part, which I kind of love, is how many billions NBC is on the hook to pay the, right. uh, on a product they are gonna do nothing but lose, lose, lose. And sure. one, one final aspect is the disappointment in NBC with the lack of commercials from the sponsors to pump up these athletes too. Right, yeah. It, 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 to come out. Yeah, to come I, out. Think, I think those are all valid points, yeah. Uh, you, we're both a product of 70s and 80s TV, the final sure. eras of grand TV. And uh, even into the 90s, this man uh, made us laugh. And that is Howard Hessman. Oh, Dr. Yeah. Johnny Fever. 
Johnny Fever is, hey, is, fellow babies. is doing some acting up in heaven right now. He yeah. passed away, complications of colon surgery, played Dr. Johnny Fever on WKRP in Cincinnati between 78, 78 and 82. Yeah. And most people uh, forget he was also the lead and head of the class, yes. playing the teacher. And he was in the final two seasons of One Day at a Time. Had a hell of a career. Yeah. Uh, any comments? Any thoughts about, about about? Oh yeah, look, WKRP in Cincinnati in general was one of my favorite shows because um, I, I like Bonnie first Anderson. of all. Oh, <laughs> and, and also um, uh, the one who played Bailey, uh, Jan Smithers. Yeah, yeah. Also very cute. Uh, I think she ended up marrying uh, James Brolin. But here's the thing. Dr. Johnny Fever's character there was a sort of a simile for, for, for my life at the time. I was like the guy who dressed in, uh, you know, uh, plaid shirts and listened to rock music when everybody else was listening to disco. And, you know, I was one of those disco sucks guys, you know, uh, because I was into punk rock and all that. Uh, you could tell, like, Ramones, you know. But, um, but anyway. Well, but you know, his character was canceled. Meaning the reason he was in Cincinnati was uh, they had wrote in him. He had yes. gotten fired from yeah. the from the big station in L.A. because he said, booger. booger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Uh, so I love the character. I love the show. I'm, I'm a huge fan of comedy. To this day, if you gave me a choice of any movie genre, my first choice is always going to be comedy. Uh, I prefer it to drama. I prefer it to action. Right. It was brilliant writing. People in, in today's yes. political nightmare when you look back on that show and you analyze it with today's eyes, it still yeah. works out because yeah. Venus Flytrap with Tim Reed, they had both uh, uh, genres there that were starting to separate. People don't realize up until the, the 80s was when you started to see the separation of radio stations. Genres yeah. starting to come into radio stations will cover only one genre where before then, one radio station had pretty much pop rock, and that's what all of America listened to. Uh, but it, it, Venus Flytrap and Johnny Fever and then Les Nessman, the dorky, yeah. the dorky, was he the, the weatherman? Oh, no, he was a news reporter. Right. Uh, Bailey Jan, played by Jan Smithers. Uh, you know, and I'm trying to think, the salesman, the salesman. Uh, Herb Tarlett. Herb, okay. You know, it was just a great cast. It, and so Johnny uh, Fever, you know, Howard Hespin was part of that whole ensemble. You know, but he made us laugh. And I loved it. He kind of played it, replayed that role on that 70s show with some guest appearances, you know, that type well, of character. I, 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 he was a, he was a great actor in that sense. Um, and I think his greatest role, I think we could all agree, was WKRP in Cincinnati. Correct. Um, but uh, interesting, in Head of the Class, I, I, now I didn't watch that show because like I was a little bit older when it came out. Um, but I do remember reading that it was actually based on my high school, my alma mater. Oh, really? High school. Yeah. So uh, in New York, there were what's considered three specialized schools, meaning that if you were a, quote, gifted student, uh, these were three public schools, which typically I would tell you I'm against public schooling. Oh, me too. Um, so it was uh, Brooklyn, Technolo Brooklyn Tech in Brooklyn. Stuyvesant in Brooklyn and another one, the Bronx High School of Science, which was the school that I went to. And head of the class, uh, one of the writers was interviewing. He said, yeah, I went to Bronx Science and this show is modeled on that. So I do remember back then saying, oh, look, they kind of based it on all us nerds going to this nerdy science high school. Um, 
Uh, and uh, people forget, you know who else was on that show? I think, if I'm not mistaken, Robin. I Givens. know Robin Givens. Robin Givens, yeah. Ex Miss Mike Tyson. Yeah. In the fact, ex- I think she was in. The, I never saw the reboot. The reboot lasted one season. Yeah, I didn't see and, the reboot. Yeah. And uh, I think she was in the reboot as well. But uh, they, you know, how uh, 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 he left that show, uh, uh, the final year, and they brought in one of the former Monty Python guys. Everybody. Oh, really? for some reason I watched that show and I can't remember why. Oh, I, I really okay. thought the redhead was cute. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe. Maybe I that's it. Yeah. I yeah. can't remember. But yeah, but Howard Hessman left that show. I forgot why. But you're right. You know, we'll close it out with uh uh, uh Dr. Johnny Fever. But at the end of the day, <laughs> God bless his soul. Yep. And hopefully he's uh uh in a better place now. You know? Yeah, and and uh, it is I I still think that point you made is actually so um critical that you at times you couldn't do the the comedy even from the 80s you couldn't do it now you you just can't get away with it you can't get away with some of the comedies that like look one of my favorite movies if not my favorite movie all time is animal house oh yeah animal house could not be made today with yeah. all the stuff that's going in there cannot with the racism with the pedophilia supposedly in that movie I got a better example for you. What's that? Blazing Saddles. Oh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, uh, or most of um, of Mel Brooks movies had like a lot of sexism in it. But people forget that's what comedy does. It's supposed to hold up a mirror to society. So right. If, right. If, if you don't like what's being made fun of, odds are you shouldn't be happy with society either. So um yeah, I, I. It's a shame. It's a shame, and uh, like I really think it's, it's it. We're all at a loss when we can't laugh at ourselves, and I think, uh, that to me is almost like a personal mission, right? So if you right. follow me on Twitter, if you follow, uh, I'm sure you do as well on your Twitter feed. Um, like you'll see a lot of things where I use sarcasm, I troll people, and everything. Because to me, humor is the most effective thing. It's better right. than 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 anything and, else. But anyway, and for the audience, uh, I made Big John here do a retake on one of our topics because I'm like, they're not going to get your humor, you know. <laughs> and yeah, and well. and the fact that we have to think like that in today's yeah. world is a disgrace. It's a, just a simple disgrace. It, it, it is. But hey, let's promise the folks this. Uh, I have a saying, William, I hope you share it with me. I said, uh, I'll apologize when I make an uh, an error of fact. Yeah, that's the only way I will apologize. Yeah, yeah. I will never apologize for an error of opinion or right. political correctness. You know, yeah. all right, guys, we're, we're going to have to wrap it up here. But our next episode, we're going to talk about Joe Rogan trying to be canceled. Or yes. not Joe Rogan trying to be canceled, but those trying to cancel him and the hypocrisy uh, with that. We'll talk uh, more about the Olympics if anything turns up. Uh, there's always going to be big news broke, breaking with uh, the NFL on Super Bowl week. And we're going to break down the Super Bowl game. For those sure. who don't realize it, John, you, you want to say your website here real quick? Sure. You can still follow uh, us and uh, me and William and some others at nerdfantasysports.com. Nerdfantasysports.com. Uh, so check check out the site. Uh, a lot of talented writers, a good analysis there. Uh, like we said, we're OGs in the industry. So right. liberal, take advantage of our many years of experience in the field. So uh, and, check it out. And John's going to break down offense, defense, special teams, who wins, why, props, bets. And 
we're going to try to stay on topics of, of, of fun. For example, I want to do a review of uh, the new Amazon Prime series, uh, Reacher, based off mm. the Jack Reacher books. I have never been watched a series from beginning to end. I've been watching, you know, two, three episodes, four tops. I was up till two thirty, three o'clock last night, binge okay. watching that series. It's a great series. So we're going to talk about like that. It. Oh That's yeah, and, like it. and we're going to talk about the Canadian truckers. You know, it's important. We we are a political and sports show with pop culture. It's important. It's important for libertarians and conservatives to start understanding to get our message across. We've got to delve uh, cross culturally in various aspects. The Democrats are good at that, and 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 I, I'm not going to speak for John, but uh, I don't agree with the Democrats of today. Versus the Democrats when I was a child, and it was they had blue collar Democrats, and those are topics for another day. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show, and for Big John and myself, William Del Pilar, we will see you next time. Check it out.